Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor podcast. I'm Andrew Dick, an attorney with Hall Render, the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country. Today, we will be speaking with Kevin Jones, a managing director and real estate practice leader with ZRG Partners. Kevin helps real estate and healthcare companies with executive searches. We're going to talk about Kevin's background, the healthcare real estate industry, and what he looks for when recruiting uh, for executive positions within the real estate industry. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure. Kevin, before we talk about your role at uh, ZRG Partners, let's talk about your background. Uh, tell us where you're from, uh, where you went to school, and uh, what you aspired to be. Sure. Well, so the first part of my uh, career, if you will, you know, is largely uninspiring. Uh, I went to uh, Indiana University in Pennsylvania, um, which I've spent the rest of my life explaining that that's actually in Pennsylvania and not Indiana. Uh, however, I actually joined a recruitment firm right out of school, so I had no industry sector experience. And, uh, you know, if I think about um, my career, my background, you know, it really boils down to three to four significant uh, decisions and changes that I made. And uh, the first one is leaving the, first fir the firm that I started with after nine years uh, to join as one of the uh, partners at Crown Advisors. And Crown was only a few months old at that point. And I had a 13-year run to really effectively build that firm, help build that firm from the ground up. Um, although at the time, you know, the plan was just to stay there for the next 20 years, uh, I couldn't see it. You know, the firm had topped out and my timing there was that I wanted to do a lot more in the firm, uh, you know, became a lifestyle business, which is great, but it was just focused on the partnership and the lifestyle that, uh, you know, the, the business created. So that was a, the second uh, big risk that I took is I left just to start the Jones Group. And that's when I doubled down on my commitment uh, to healthcare real estate. Um, for the next eight years, I focused on becoming a sub subject matter expert in the healthcare real estate sector, became embedded in the business, in that community. And that's where I really understood the value of becoming a specialist. Um, you know, as an insider, you could build meaningful relationships versus just somebody that, uh, who calls into the sector, if you will. So, uh, you know, that was a great run on my own. And I established uh, relationships that I believe will be, you know, with me the rest of my career. And um, about three and a half years ago, I was actually approached by a search firm to build a global real estate executive search practice at ZRG. And um, so frankly, it's been a heavy lift. But the nice part about ZRG is, uh, we have a robust healthcare executive search practice across the board. So I bolted into the healthcare group when I started and uh, our roots in healthcare is a search firm. You know, we have, we actually have a partner that's a, a medical doctor. Uh, we focus on clinical academic medical centers uh, and of course health systems as well as PE backed uh, healthcare firms. So, uh, within that group, I was able to, uh, you know, use that as leverage to build the global real estate practice. And now, you know, though the the real estate practice is anchored in the U.S., we've outposts in Brazil, uh, London, 
and Dubai, and it gives us a, a, a legitimate uh, global reach. So, uh, and I still do largely healthcare real estate, but as a practice, you know, we're doing probably 60, 50 or 60% in commercial real estate. And then I do the balance in healthcare real estate. So Kevin, how did you, it, at some point, and it sounds like many years ago, you, you identified healthcare real estate as a niche that you wanted to pursue. H- how did you end up working on searches in the healthcare real estate industry? That's a, a pretty narrow niche. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it goes back a while. Uh, you know, I was actually at the first uh, BOMA Healthcare Conference in San Francisco. Uh, there might have been 45 people there. You'd have to, uh, Lori Damon would have to fact check me on that, but it was very small. And uh, like a lot of people in this sector, Andrew, you know, I had a, a personal experience that that just drew me to healthcare and hospital real estate. So it, it became an interest. Once I discovered it, it became an interest. And, you know, like you build a practice anywhere, you get some uh, companies that are growing and you work really hard to satisfy them. And as they grow, your practice grows. And I had done that with uh, a couple of pioneering firms in the sector where I'd worked closely with their founder. And uh, as they grew market to market, you know, they just tapped, tapped me on the shoulder and I helped them open, um, you know, they went from a local brand to a national brand and I did all those searches. So through that process, that's how I just became embedded in, in the business when it was much smaller than it is today. So it was an easier effort because, uh, you know, when people start to recognize you specialize in their startup sector, if you will, um, they they recognize you, you know, so it was easy to make my way around the block with all the players. And, you know, as the sector grew, my practice grew. So, you know, it was it was really more serendipity than, you know, I, I did something uh, spot on to make it grow. Sure. So, Kevin, give us an idea of the type of assignments you've had over the years in the industry. Would this be uh, C-suite executives, or I mean, give us some examples. Sure. Yeah. In in focusing on the sector, I I I would say you know I do C-suite as well as the people reporting into the C-suite. So that's really my uh, my uh, strike zone. And I've done some board advisory work as well. I would say a typical search, you know, it, it involves, I had done a search for a senior managing director for a group that does healthcare real estate consulting. And they're the uh, leader of that group, um, you know, somewhat of a legendary person in, in the sector, frankly, uh, was retiring. So, you know, they engaged us to find that replacement Uh, And that's always tricky to find somebody that's been embedded and worked with the team for decades to bring a new leader in. And uh, we did just that. You know, it was a very successful search. Uh, It took us probably, you know, eight months, which was three months too long, frankly. But, you know, when you work at that level, you've got to work around non-competes. You've got to work around other competitive covenants uh, to try to get the timing right. Nobody wants to go against that. Uh, but that's a typical search. You know, in, in what I see when people come to me often, they're looking for more than a plug and play person. You know, they want somebody that has deep uh, experience in the sector, 
but also they have that ability to uh, be the face of the franchise, somebody that knows how to sell and lead and execute. Uh, so that's I, I see that a lot and I get that a lot. So that's probably the the type of role that I get I see because they're just so hard to find. And it's you, you know you really need to know those people first just to get their attention to consider something because they're generally well paid, well taken care of because they bring such you know three components of value to the organization. So let's talk about that, Kevin. Um, we have quite a few young professionals who are have been in the business maybe a couple of years, the healthcare real estate business, or uh, uh, young professionals who are looking at getting into the healthcare real estate business. And um, let's talk about the skills that um, you look for and and your clients look for when 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 um, trying to identify talent, you hit on a couple things, um, yeah. the ability to sell, um, you know, interact well with others, et cetera. Talk, talk more about that. What, what advice would you give to someone who's really trying to make a name for themselves in the industry? Sure. And, and that's a great question. I actually have kids in that same um, period in their lives. So it, it's, this is something I've thought about and it, I think it's, uh, you know, the thing is, it's not new, right? It's uh, it's a generational to generational piece of, of advice. But um, I think the first thing is for, for most people, they need to redefine what sales is to them, right? Everybody carries around this baggage uh, of what sales is and what it isn't. And, you know, the immediate uh, cliches and... Um, imagery that comes with it. And that's obviously so old fashioned. Uh, so I, I challenge people to it, it, that, that they really need to just look at that, you know, do some self-discovery and understand really what, what's your hang up on that word and what that means. And they, they need to redefine it because every business is driven by sales and, you know, top line revenue. You, there's no way around that. And the more you can impact that, the more value you bring to an organization. So I think most people, uh, it, it's a, some of the conversations I've had with people, they just will tell me, well, I won't sell. And I think, all right, well, then good luck. And, you know, stay where you are and nestle in because you, you, that takes away a lot of your growth opportunities. So that's a little bit of personal work. You really need to evaluate what it is, what your hangups are around it. Uh, you need to read on the subject, you know, very contemporary uh, material on what it is, uh, because that really is going to be a game changer. And once you're able to embrace that and put your talents to use around it, um, that's going to change your value to the market. And that changes everything. That's a, that's a great point. Kevin, we have um, on the team I lead, we have a number of young professionals and we talk a lot about building a, a personal brand and um, uh, getting your name out in the industry. And that, in, in other words, that um, even as lawyers, um, we have to sell. Oh, um, we sell a little differently maybe than other industries and, and we're subject to ethical rules that prohibit us from doing certain things. Um, but but I think you're spot on, Kevin. I think that in certain circles, um, when you talk about sales, 
uh, and, and those type of skills, it, it can turn people off. But in my experience, um, individuals who master the art of uh, developing relationships and building a personal brand tend to rise to the top. And I think that's what you're saying. Uh, you're exactly right. Um, and that's, that's what you see across the board. And, and you know, you, you bring up something else, too, is networking is a large part of that. And networking, frankly, uh, you know, networking was uh, real work for me. I mean, I, I obviously love what I do, and it's and it's a cool business, frankly. But uh, when I would go to a conference, uh, networking would be so challenging, you know. And I would still, I probably still haven't been to a net, uh, conference in a while, but you know, I still get nervous and feel like I'm intruding. And you know, you've got to get over all those hangups. And networking's an amazing skill set. And it's just that. And it's like a skill set. You have to practice. You have to do some of the corny role playing. You have to really get outside of your comfort zone uh, and become effective. And that takes, you know, more than anything, the, the things that I hear now is uh, self-awareness, social and professional awareness, uh, C-suite and board uh, presence, you know, those are really important elements, and that's communication skills, that's style, that's how you carry yourself, uh, you know, to a T. So you need to keep that in mind. If you want to be in the C-suite, you really need that self-awareness and social awareness. And, you know, if it doesn't come naturally, even if it does come naturally, it's something that you need to work on and practice uh, so you're prepared. Uh, you know, I've always, and I'm going to butcher it, but you know, I've always kind of hung on uh the Abe Lincoln uh, quote, you know, prepare yourself uh, for one day your chance will come, you know, and it's one of those things where you need to be prepared. You need to practice beforehand. And when you find yourself in that situation, you're ready. And, you know, networking is a big part of that. And it's, it's going to be again. And, you know, just in, uh, you know, you've been in this space for a while too, Andrew, we went from, you know, one, one conference to, one conference a year to maybe two a month, you know, it, it is a business in and of itself or it will be. And that's fine. You, that's a great opportunity to meet people, to sell yourself, to create that personal brand. You know, the opportunities exist and the more you embrace that, the more you get comfortable with it and, and dive into it versus shy away and, you know, just try to back away from conversation you know, you, when, you, when people talk about coming out of their comfort zone, th that's a perfect example. It really is. And then that's when the, then you need to develop a self-awareness and have a, have a, have a um, you know, a ready list of conversation points or topics or trends, you know, that you're seeing and asking questions is always the way to engage conversation. You ask Im important questions, you know, and, in those situations, you can start personal, but you really want to be able to uh, learn how to leverage that into business. What do, what do you want to ask, right, about your legal needs, about your recruitment needs and your growth strategies? Uh, that's when you have those conversations. Everybody's at ease and disarmed, and it really is just a conversation. And and we both know everybody loves to talk about that. Nobody doesn't want to talk about their growth plans or their growth strategy or their, you know, their troubling situations professionally. So, you know, develop a strong list of questions to ask, and that makes it a lot easier. 
Um, great advice, Kevin. Uh, let's dig just a little deeper for um, the folks who are, are starting out in the industry. Uh, talk about, in your experience, I mean, you hit on a couple things about um, some individuals are maybe introverted or uncomfortable networking and, and putting themselves out there a little bit. Uh, what tips do you have in terms of uh, do those individuals, should they, should they seek out mentors who can help them or, or coaches? I mean, we live in a world where there's an awful lot of coaching going on, which I find really interesting. Um, uh, what, what tips would you give? I mean, do you see executives or young professionals seeking out mentorships um, for more, you know, with more senior level uh, professionals to help them through that journey? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, mentoring works, uh, but it often doesn't work. So, you know, it's not like you can be assigned or go up to and approach somebody and say, be my mentor, right? Uh, and you might pick the wrong person. It, you really might. My advice, my approach to that is, and, and it's, think of it more, if not like the old way of I've got one mentor and I do whatever that person tells me and, you know, and I follow them around but maybe target three people, right? Three types of mentors and, and define what they are. Somebody that's just amazing in sales and networking, somebody that technically has a lot of depth and somebody that you respect from an integrity standpoint that seems to have, you know, the, the I'm not going to use the word balance because uh, I'm not, not a fan of that, that approach, but somebody that has balanced a career and a family or healthy relationships outside of work is a better way to put it. Um, and you don't just walk up to person and ask, but you, again, you develop your list of questions, right? You, and when you are around people like that, whether it's a cocktail party or a conference, you have your line of questions of, you know, what, how did you get into what, you know, just like you're, we're engaged in here, right? Where are you from? What what do you, what do you do? What do you do outside of work? And and those are easy que questions to answer. And and then you feel yourself out, right? And you're going to resonate with somebody or not. And then you just latch on. And a mentor that's not a lifetime relationship, right? Somebody might just it might be a five year gig, if you will, of you know where you need that help then. And then you you maintain those relationships and they're meaningful relationships that you don't have to just find one person that you follow around for 30 years. Um, you know, that's the, that's an old fashioned way in my opinion. And I think you can get a lot of value from different perspectives. Good advice. Before we talk about some trends in the healthcare real estate industry, let me, let me just ask one more general question, Kevin, when you're undertaking a search um, I know ZRG has uh, a number of different um tools to help find the right person. Maybe maybe talk about how that search process works when you narrow the list of candidates and uh, what metrics are you looking at? I think you've hit on some of them, sales and you know ability to work well with others, but how does that work um, when, when you narrow the field? That's a good question. Uh, well, and, and look, that's the reason I joined ZRG. Uh, you know, I, I've always been in smaller boutique real estate focused companies, whether my own or, you know, at Crown. And when I started, 
And ZRG is very different. We're actually the fastest growing search firm, maybe two of the, out of the last three years. You know, through the pandemic, we've added maybe 10 plus managing directors where everybody else was shrinking. So it's a very contrarian minded search firm. And our approach and our thinking is to be the biggest search firm outside of the top five. You know, we're not looking to then become public or, you know, the size of a corn ferry or hydric because when we compete against those firms, we're, we're more nimble. We're more flexible. We're, our, our culture is genuinely collaborative. And that makes us better as a firm as we approach these searches. And like any sector, people grow tired of the old guard, right? Of the way they've always done things and they want to do something different and search is no different. Uh, and I I'm glad you noticed our tools because they really are unique and it's more than just a prop that we can set up. Uh, the, the assessments we do, and, and really it's the, um, the skills and attributes grid uh, that our CEOs developed and we've refi refined over years, but it weights uh, key skills and attributes and we're able to then create uh, data points along the lines for each candidate. So you can rank them, frankly. And, you know, let's say you create a batting order, but we're very clear that doesn't make your decision for you. It just gives you data points, right? You're still having to hire the person. Uh, and this creates a very interesting dialogue because some people might score people differently or differently from us. And you're able to pick out what those points are. And I think the, the strongest aspect of using our or a dashboard of tools, it keeps everybody on the same page where everybody's interviewing, say, on the seven same skills and attributes and, and the, what we've determined to be keys. Uh, in real estate, I find, you know, the interviewing technique is click and close, right? Once somebody clicks with somebody, they try to close them on either side of the table. And th this process, it really forces the team because you've got to answer back to your team in terms of this is how I rank this person on all of these attributes. You can't just then drift off into sports or family or politics and you know, whatever you what might be off topic. It forces everybody on the team to interview from the same criteria. So everybody's evaluating that candidate. And I always think the value of a search firm is uh, we continue evaluation. You know, we're doing a, a search right now for a chief revenue officer. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, likability around, let's say, the two lead candidates. But from our process, we're still in market talking to people. And we're also continuing to evaluate these candidates. So we're not just, you know, assuming, yeah, this is the person that we're going to go through and hire. You know, we're continuing to critique and evaluate um, and share that with our client. And, and that's valuable because that's where mistakes in hiring are made, right? You have that good first interview and then you just glide to the finish line versus the, the continuing conversation, digging deeper. You know, you've got this and, and I'll go through, frankly, through a process and I'll re-rank my, my uh, skills and attributes. The deeper you get to know somebody in the process, you know, they might go from a, you know, four to four and a half or four to three, because as you dig and you talk to that person, you know, I might talk to somebody 15 times through the course of a search candidate, you know, you're continuing to revisit and ask questions. And, uh, you know, that really helps in 
my, our clients just getting that right person in the seat. Um, does and that answer your question? It, it does. It, just one follow-up, Kevin. I, um, you talked about one search that took a, approximately eight months. When you're, when you're hiring, I mean, and that was a, a special search, you know, replacing a leader of a, a group. On average, how, how long does the process take when you're, when you're going, uh, hiring a, maybe a, a C-suite executive? Is it, is it five months, six months, or you just know, a, how, how long should yeah. someone expect to take to go through a process? It's a three-month process. Uh, you know, to identify and get commitment, you know, and then you've got to work through the final piece of resignation. But yeah, I mean, within three to four months, you know, our, the, the heavy lifting will be done and you've got one candidate that you're finalizing and, you know, you should have somebody warming up in the bullpen as well, just in case. Okay. Uh, and one more follow-up, Kevin, because I enjoy this discussion. You know, I find when I talk with um, uh, professionals in the real estate industry, sometimes I, I feel like there are folks who are focused on uh, the salary uh, offered by a position. But I, in, in my opinion, that seems short-sighted. What are you seeing in terms of um, individuals looking for growth and opportunity? I mean, what's your advice to a young person um, it seems to me that they shouldn't be focused just on salary or the location of the opportunity, but but really, is there an opportunity to grow, to learn, uh, to be mentored? I mean, wh what advice would you give there when an individual's kind of considering a couple of different opportunities? Um, what do you think is important? Sure. Uh, again, a very good question. And it goes back to, to the advice you'd give. Uh, you know, the other piece I would give to somebody that's looking at a career is re-examine what work means to you, right? Uh, you know, so many people get hung up on work-life balance and, you know, whether they'll be home and what their commute will look like. And, you know, I've really... Uh, it, I look at it as don't even use the word work. It's just, you're just spending your time. You know, you can build a foundation, a professional foundation and a personal foundation to grow and merge those two, right? There's a bridge between that. It's not one or the other. Uh, so, you know, I, I do, in works, one of those things where we have these concepts that we've never questioned, right? They just kind of come up through our upbringing uh, and we never reevaluate these things that we learn from a young age and sales and work are, are two things that I think are worth reexamining throughout your life. But the question is to go back to your question, Andrew, uh, I, I would say this is you're exactly right. You know, people get hung up on salary and they get hung up on title and things like that. When, when you're at that pivot point, right. And I'd mentioned mine, you know, there were three to four really that uh, were pivotal in my career. And I think you need to recognize when those periods are in terms of, yeah, this is a, this is a pivot move and this is an opportunity. And, and then don't ask yourself, what will I make in the next 12 months? Right. But you need to sit, who am I going to be in the next three to five years? Right. How can I grow? Who can I transform into being with this experience? Uh, and we see that with our private equity clients all the time of, 
when you join a growing private equity uh, operating company and take that through a cycle, you're a different person. You've got a merit badge after that, you know, because of your experience there. So think about who you can become in this role uh, versus what you're going to make in 12 months. And I think if you step back and take that process, that's going to be very clear. And, and that helps your answer. Uh, now, comp always comes into play. It's why we do it, certainly. But, uh, you know, if, if you're if the comp is close and one just has uh, something more exciting to it, then you should certainly uh, take that risk. You know, it's not a risk-free, you know, professional life that we live in, right? And you need to make smart risks and you need to make sure that the return isn't so much in 12 months. I've made several uh, moves where, you know, I, I actually had to take a step back uh, and you know, what I've learned through that process has been, you know, the return is extraordinary. Uh, so, uh, that's what I would switch around and reconsider when people are looking at that. Good advice. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, so let's switch gears. Let's talk about the healthcare real estate industry. The industry has grown tremendously. As, as you mentioned, you were at I think the first BOMA MOB conference, a, mm-hmm. a small conference, uh, pre-COVID, it's, it's turned into what I would consider to be a mega conference, uh, thousands of people. Um, and then I think uh, through COVID, we've seen even more growth and demand for healthcare real estate assets. G- give us uh, your perspective on the industry today. Yeah, it's, well, it, it's certainly different. Uh there's a couple things. Uh, you know, if you if you recall, Andrew, I remember when the uh, Affordable Care Act, you know, was a game changer the first time it came through. And the industry stood still waiting for some sign to act, you know, a green light or red light of certainty to go forward. And now healthcare needs to be as nimble and decisive as any other sector. The old school bureaucracy uh, you know, this is how we've always done things. It doesn't translate into 2021. And we're seeing a lot of that, frankly. We are seeing that that old guard, that old way of thinking, uh, it doesn't translate. And it's not going to uh, transform into future success, even if it's worked in the past. Um, and frankly, you know, I feel it's an exciting time to be in healthcare uh, if you're prepared to be part of the change. You know, if you're clinging to what is, and that's obviously always scary, regardless of uh, what you're doing. And I'm seeing, you know, if, I, if you look at trends, right, I, I would be remiss not to say the words prop tech or data science. Uh, you know, those elements are becoming embedded in every sector, the technology efficiencies and uh, data science. So I'm, I'm not minimizing that, but th- that's... that's um, you know, I, I don't think that's an insightful trend right now. That's an obvious trend. You know, I'm working with some firms that are leveraging machine learning and AI in terms of investment strategy and thesis, in terms of underwriting. Uh, it's really uh, remarkable, if not scary, the depth that machine learning is coming into real estate from a decision-making standpoint. So I, I think that's really interesting where it just takes a more 
uh, a global picture, demographics, uh, returns, you know, all, all the all the things you want to put into the uh, the pot of stew, and it's coming out with really smart and insightful uh, answers. So that's really where I'm seeing, you know, in terms of technology, uh, the prop tech, the data, that's really important. But there's there's more to come, and there's you know there's even more forward thinking when it comes to applying technology. Uh, within commercial real estate and, and residential for that matter. I, I would agree. I think that there is, um, I've seen an awful lot of growth in uh, site selection technology um, that's really interesting. Um, we've seen an, an awful lot of growth in telehealth and uh, retail healthcare Um and when you see a lot of private equity firms, as, as you mentioned, uh, uh, getting into this business, the healthcare business and the healthcare real estate business, I think we're going to see more and more change. Um, they're they're uh, typically very aggressive and trying to implement new models. So uh, it's exciting. It, it, it's exciting and, and it is different. And, you know, it, the evolution is important. You know, it goes back to, to my business in, in executive search. I mean, certainly that's my day job. But, uh, you know, with the changes in, in the speed of change right now, uh, you know, as a practice, my services have evolved into further introductory services, whether it's capital markets, joint ventures, project and pipeline introductions, uh, mergers, uh, team carve outs. So, you know, people are coming to me, uh, you know, less with, hey, I need to hire this individual, though that, that's still the business, but more, this is my larger problem of what I'm trying to solve. How can you help me solve that larger problem? And it isn't necessarily, a, a great example is this, we're, we're seeing more chief revenue officer searches right now. And I think, you know, you could quickly just say, oh, that's a head of sales, but it really isn't. Um, as you know, so many people that are trying to grow, they'll hire a VP of business development and stick them in a region and say, grow the region, right? Uh, Market-facing people. Uh, the chief revenue officer role is is um, transformative because this is a person that comes in that's part of the C-suite, and they're really creating that uh, repeatable, systematic revenue process. So, and if you have the right person, they're not only looking at driving growth and revenue, but they're creating systems and procedures uh, to work with the sales team. And really, they should be strong assessors of talent to recognize, you know, this is the model, right? This is the model of person that we need to plug into this role, uh, not just a VP of business development to go knock on doors, Um and then the other component is identifying your, your client base and how do you build more revenue from that in a very creative way. And then how is that sustainable? You know, how do we create revenue when the development market dips? What, how do we still keep cash flow and revenue uh, expanding? And that's a strategy role, but the skill set really is in sales and marketing but more so than just being a savvy client-facing sales pro, the person brings a, a next-level strategy to the business. That, frankly, the CEO, COO, and CFO they they don't they generally don't have that 
background, that technical background. Uh, and they also are not devoting the time to do that because they've got other full-time jobs. So that's that's been another trend that we're seeing of people bringing in that transformative CRO. Um, and that goes to the point, you know, really part of the theme that we're discussing here is the business is changing quickly. And, um, you know, it, it's exciting if you're out in front of it. The problem I've seen is so many firms think they're out in front of it. You know, they feel like, yeah, we're, we've got this. We've, we've been through this before. Um, but it's a different uh, this. You know, it's a different uh, scenario than it has been historically. So, Kevin, I have one more question as we wrap up. <clears throat> We've seen uh, a lot of articles in the real estate industry about work from home and what what that's going to mean post-COVID. Um, what's your take? Um, are we going to see um, uh, organizations um, ask their teams to come back to the office? Um, what will that look like? In, any predictions? <laughs> that, that, that's a big one, right? Um, so, uh, and, and this is just my opinion. I, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert in that world. That that involves sociology, psychology. Uh, you know, the people that think everybody's everything's going to go back to uh, work from the office largely have large office portfolios, so they can't afford to even uh, think about think anything different. Uh, I do see people coming back. Uh, but in a very different manner, in a more effective manner, not just for FaceTime. Uh, you know, I I have got clients, and I know firms are looking to bring everybody back full time. You know, I think that's uh, you know that goes the way of the tie, right? <laughs> I mean, once you stop wearing a tie, it's hard to put one back on. And uh, you know, I think we've got a great experience on how to do this, but. The real factor is is having the right person. If you've got the right person, they could work from anywhere and be productive. And if you have the wrong person, they could be in the office every day and still not quite get it and get it done. Um, I see. Uh, I don't see office going away. I think. I mean, if you look at your office, right? I think our own personal experiences play to it. I'm in a role where I can effectively work from home, but I'm very. Uh, excited to get back on the road and work face to face. Um, you know, I still go into my office uh, twice a week right now uh, because I, I crave that interaction and you can't create or even have a culture if everybody's working from home. So, uh, and I think everybody's grown tired of the video conferences. They're very effective and, and they'll take play a greater role going forward. But, you know, I think we all know as a society that, you know, you FaceTime, personal interaction, it, it, it's not healthy to do away with that in any, whether it's professional or personal, you know, you need to build that into, uh, you know, your business plan, frankly, and make sure it's effective. Well, Kevin, uh, I've enjoyed this conversation and uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the past 12 months or so. Um, where can our audience learn more about you and ZRG Partners? Sure. Um, easy to find. Uh, ZRGpartners.com is, um, you know, our website. Uh, you know, my email's kjones at zrgpartners.com. So th those are two very uh, easy ways to find me. You know, I'm all over LinkedIn as well. So um, 
you know, I, I'm easy to get to. Well, thanks again, Kevin. Uh, thanks to our audience for listening to the podcast on your Apple or Android device. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave feedback for us. We also publish a newsletter called the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor to be added to the list. Please email me at adick at hallrender.com. 